Welcome everyone again to the latest edition of the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I'm here along with my friend Chris and uh, this week we're going to finish up our two-part series discussing the career of REM. We had a lot of good feedback last week and I think a lot of people enjoyed it and I think a lot of people are going to uh, enjoy this one. Hopefully uh, it'll be informative and fun. Uh, Chris, pretty hot down here in Jackson. What, what's the temperature like in Memphis today? Uh, about the same. I think we hit, okay, I think we hit with heat index mid nineties, which, you know, anybody that's listening, that's not in the, um, the mid South area, you th- you're thinking, wow, 95 heat index, man, that's hot. That's uh, cool compared to what it's going to get. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, we're just, we're just preparing ourselves. But yeah, it was the first probably really, really hot day. Well, Chris, um, you mentioned to me a few minutes ago before we went live on the air that um, you had uh, a tiny bit of music news you wanted to let everybody know about, so I'm just going to turn it over to you. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have much. You know, it seems like every week I've been trying to bring in a new album, and you know, luckily there's been a lot for me to suggest. This week I didn't really have anything other than, you know, through Twitter I saw that the Nixons, and I, I wanted to mention the Nixons just because when we did our 90s, our, our 90s episode when we talked about, you know, some of the albums that we love from the 90s, the Nixon's FOMA was on my list. And they just threw, through Twitter, I saw they they come, they put a post out saying that they may put they just put out their first song in 15 years. It's called Song of the Year, and it was really good. You know, I only had, I think they may have, I think they may have done three records. I had the first two, and really it was only the first one that I really liked. This song was probably more in vain of the first album. But I liked it. I mean, I, I would be, I'm definitely interested in hearing what they have. You know, if, when a new album comes out. Well, that's uh, exciting because uh, I know when we did the um, the 90s episode, that was an album that you really, really love. So I know you're looking yeah. forward to it. Um, I have just one. Al- well, actually, there are several albums came out this week, but I'm just going to talk about one. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that the Black Crows are, my, are pretty much my favorite band. And uh, they have been broken up for a while now. And I, and I don't foresee them ever getting back together. Um, I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, stranger things have happened. But uh, anyway, so Chris Robinson is out doing his own thing with the Chris Robinson Brotherhood, and Rich Robinson has put out three or four solo albums that are all uh, pretty good, uh, at least above average, but um, just didn't quite have the same spark that the Crows did. So he has put together a band now called the Magpie Salute, and it consists of him, Mark Ford, and Sven Pippian, who are all in the Black Crows, and then his personal uh, drummer uh, Joe Magistro, and then they it's um, they've put together it's like nine or ten musicians that are in the band. So it's uh, and their music somewhat the Black Crows meets the Tedeschi Trucks band, uh, and they're about as big as the Tedeschi Trucks band. Anyway, they uh, have yet to put out a studio album, but they put out their first album Friday, and it was actually recorded in Woodstock, New York, live in front of an audience. I'd say maybe of a hundred people at a recording studio. And it, the, it sounds really, really good. If you're uh, an old-school Black Crows fan, Mark Ford is back. He sounds awesome. Uh, they play two Crows songs, Wiser Time and, um, oh, gosh, uh, What is Home? And the rest are cover songs um, by other artists. It's really, really good. Uh, they do a cover of Fearless by Pink Floyd that is that is just phenomenal. Anyway, uh, if you get a chance, uh, pick that up and listen to it. It's uh it's really good. If you're a fan of the Black Crows or uh, uh, just kind of good rock and roll, um, I think you'll enjoy it. Well, Chris, last week we finished the IRS years of REM. We ranked our albums uh, under uh, the IRS label. And this week we're going to talk about the rest of their career, which consists of albums on uh, Warner Brothers. Some we'll spend more time on than others, and there's a reason for that. So uh, I'm just going to pick up where we left off last week. Um, they had uh, recorded document, put it out, toured, had uh, you know success with the one I love, and um, it's the end of the world as we know it. And they'd gotten frustrated with IRS because uh, they felt like their international distribution was not uh, what it should be. And so uh, they let it be known that they were looking for a new label, and pretty much a bidding war uh, took place. And uh, they decided to sign with Warner Brothers. And everything I've read said they actually turned down more money from other record companies. Um, and so uh, there's a lot of buzz. REM signed with Warner Brothers. It's going to be their big breakthrough. And they record an album called Green. And uh, 
this album is notable for one thing the production value is is very high on it and also they wrote songs in major rock keys uh they didn't rely on the minor keys like they had a lot of their uh their previous albums for the most part and uh a lot of the a lot of the lyrics were about politics and uh in the environment and so like i said they signed a contract i've read anywhere from between six and twelve million who knows 12 yeah 12, 12. is what i've got and if you get if you watch the, docu- the rem documentary uh this rem um like rem by mtv or something like that they do say 12 million and actually i want to say they even show kind of like old news well maybe the second contract where they show a new uh, old clipping of it but i think it's 12 yeah which is a lot of money uh 12 for five records yeah and that was a lot of money back then and so they recorded mo- most of the basic tracks were recorded Arden Studios there in Memphis. And uh, when they were recording, Stipe told his bandmates, "Do not write any REM type songs." And so um, Green comes out, and uh, as we know, um, it was very popular. With uh, had the song "Stand," uh, which I guess is probably the biggest song off of it, um, and it sold four million albums worldwide. So hard to argue. Uh, with that, Chris, I'll just let, let you start giving your thoughts on Green. Yeah, well, I mean, Warner Brothers got what they were looking for, you know, when they got REM. You say it, and I don't have the numbers for, for in front of me, so I'm glad you, you said that, selling 4 million copies. And, uh, of course, as, as you well know, that was uh, just a, a blimp of what what was coming as far as the, the album sales. Um, the album itself, you know, I thought it was, I know you said Stipe said don't, don't bring REM songs to the table or whatever, but... I feel like the song was a kind of where document left off, you know, where it just picked right up. And so I don't think it was any major departure. I mean, and, and it, it was kind of stupid to say, well, like, it's a good transition between document and out of time because it's like, well, okay, well, of course it's what it was, but I think the sound kind of, there's elements of both of those records on it. Um, it's a good, it, it, I think the album's pretty good overall. I do think there's some weak tracks on this one. You know, it's uh, but the songs that there's some real, real standout songs on this, at least for me. You know, and you know when I just go over some of the standups on it, you know, I'm just looking at the track listing right now, and I can tell like, "Get Up" has always been to me a really underrated song by theirs. "You Are the Everything" is just amazing, you know, and "World Leader Pretend" same thing. It's feel that one. That's also an amazing song, and then. You know, Orange Crush, I always like that one a lot. You know, Stand for what it is, I think is not a bad song. It's just, it's a little, it's a little different. But the thing about that song is Michael Stipe had said, you know, when they were making this album, he said that the guys just, you know, kept bringing their song suggestions and said they kept throwing these things at him that were just so bubblegum and so over the top of pop that he, he finally said, all right, he accepted the challenge and said, you know, I'll raise you and see you one. And he ended up, said he wrote the most inane lyrics he ever had with um and that was the song that became stand so he um you know just kind of shows where they were as a band i mean he he heard all that poppy stuff and so he's like all right i mean i think that's kind of his way of saying i'm gonna cheese it up but hey man it was a it was a huge hit for them and still is and still still i imagine being played quite a bit but i thought you know, i thought it was a thought it was a good start to warner brothers yeah, I thought it had hits and misses. I thought it had a few more misses than it did hits. Um, the standout tracks that I have, uh, "You Are the Everything," that's my favorite ballad that they've done. Uh, I have that as a standout track. Standout track, "World Leader," "Pretend," uh, "Orange Crush," and uh, "Turn You Inside Out." Turn you inside out. Well, I just love. Yeah, we're about the same. And turn turn you inside out. I'm also a really big fan of that one. You know, and you know, get, the only thing I would say is different is I just bring up the "Get Up" as a favorite of mine, but. Yeah, it looks it looks like we're about the same on this album. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's above average. Um, it's not great, but it's not bad. Um, they toured a lot for it and uh, put out um, the concert. I think it was their first concert video tour film um, came out. If you, that's notable for basically they play the concert and they have uh, art films playing on a big screen in the background, uh, which is kind of uh, I guess kind of an avant garde thing to do. Um, well, Stipe was a film major, you know. Yeah. he's really he, he's really into that. Well, Chris, that album, as we said, sold four million records, and um, they go back. Next up, mega stardom. Right, yeah. Next, next stop, you know, big time. So they go into the studio uh, to record what would be out of time, and um, that album. I just have some numbers here. It spent 109 weeks on the American chart. 
Uh, it sold 18 million copies worldwide. It won three Grammys. Uh, and it was listed in Time Magazine's Greatest 100 Albums of All Time. And the notable track that really is the one that, that broke them was Losing My Religion. Now, this album is, is unique in that the bulk of the album is um, acoustic, on acoustic guitars. Very little uh, uh, dis, you know, distorted guitars or anything um, like that. And Losing My Religion just was huge. The video was huge. You know, I've mentioned this before. My wife refers to it as the Dylan and Brenda breakup song. And I know people may laugh at that, but at the time, Beverly Hills 90210 was the biggest show for, you know, teenagers and young adults on television. And that was the song they chose to, um, you know, play during one of the most, one of the biggest scenes in the history of the show. So I really like the album a lot. It's one of my favorite ones. And this album to me is unique in that I feel like it doesn't really get going to its fullest potential until the last half of the record. Uh, once you get to belong, um, belong half a world away, Texarkana country feedback and me and honey, the lowest ranking I have on any of those songs is a four out of five. Um, and they blew up. They were everywhere. But the interesting thing is they decided not to tour. And so you wonder how much money they left on the table for just from not touring because they were everywhere. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, you know, just a, just a couple of things about that. You know, when you're talking about not touring, you know, they... They thought that this, you know, that was going to be, it could be career suicide because the fact that they were not going to tour this and, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was possible career suicide. You're not touring it. Out. I heard that it, you know, cost that not touring a record, it can cost the label. They pay two, two to three times as much. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a big risk that they, that they did that. As far as just the album itself, some things that, you know, they said, uh, Michael Stipe said after, you know, after they did Green, he said that the Peter Buck didn't even want to look at an electric guitar, much less play one. And Peter Buck just wanted to, he wanted to just experiment with different instruments. He said that it's important to play different instruments to keep it fresh. Um, you know, Bill Berry said they purposely intended to try to avoid the guitar. And one thing I thought was, was interesting, what, what Mike Mill said, he said that, the, that Mill himself and Stipe, and Barry said so they were always very reactive and said that that Peter Buck was the proactive one of the band and said they usually would just whatever he wanted to do was unless they just really disagreed with it they were cool with it and that was what he wanted to do so they kind of went took his approach and did this album um where REM was you know we talked about last week with document and then we already started with green you know they started getting more political and obviously did a lot more of that later in the career this was not a political album. It was an album of just love songs. And Michael Stipe said he wanted, he wanted to write intelligent love songs. And he said that it was actually a challenge to write these songs because he said he was writing the type of songs that he always despised. So it, you know, it was, I'm like, I'm with you. It's a, uh, it's a great album. One thing too, talking about the, I thought it's cool too, about the title out of time. I don't know if you've heard this one. They, um, they were up against a deadline to put out a title and you know, they had Michael Stipe said they always made a little list where they put name that record or name this record. And they'd all just throw out ideas. And so they were about four pages in some of the names they had for it. Imitation crab meat, <laughs> trolling for olives, willful obscurity. And my favorite cat, butt. um, needless to say, they didn't go with any of those. Thank God. And, um, Although Willful Obscurity is kind of cool. But so anyway, they're at the deadline and Warner Brothers says that if they don't, they told him that if we don't get an album title by the end of the day, it's going to delay the release date. And, and so Bill Barry said that they, he just thought, oh crap, we're out of time. Bing, there you have it. And that's how it came up. I mean, they already had the artwork done, everything. They just did not have the title to print on it. Um, more to the music. It's, uh, you know, it's, I'm like you, uh, the last half is just insane. I mean, one song after another, uh, I have a tough time even picking a, you know, picking a favorite on here. I have a tough time picking a bad one on here. You know, if I, if I would say shiny, happy people is my least favorite, 
but you know it's it's not a bad song i mean it is what it is and you know he's they've they've said they were you know michael stipe said that he was aware of how stupid it was and he said he was laughing with everybody else he said but in the end you know he thought it was a pretty great song and you know losing my religion i think that's just so overplayed but again a great great song um i'm like you um belong is just amazing to me country feedback i mean maybe my favorite one on the album supposedly the vocals on that were done in one take no did not know that but you know half a world away texarkana me and honey but even going to the end game i think is a great song you know as far as some of the earlier stuff but yeah it was in in releasing losing my religion you know mike mills also he said about that song he said well it doesn't really have a chorus. It's the main instrument is a mandolin and it's over five minutes long, which is really long for a single. He said, you know, all, you know, all just disasters for a single, but it worked. And, you know, because of that single, the songs that, that followed not touring certainly didn't hurt them. You know, they would have think about how much money they would have made had they, you know, of course, they'd have to they'd have to tour it if they had released that that album today. You know, right. they wouldn't have made anything right. without themselves. But, but yeah, you know, it's um, it's a classic classic record. One of the defining albums of the '90s, really, probably top ten. Um, if you if you had to rank them, uh, random trivia here, Chris. Let's see if you get it. What's the one song from the album they've never played live? Yeah, because I, I I do not know this, so let me just if I'm gonna guess. I'm going to look at this track listing. Hmm. You know, I'm just going to go with, I'm just going to throw something out there. I'm going to go with low. Texarkana. That's surprising. Yeah. Such a good song. Sounds like it'd really come off well live too. I know. I like it. Uh, like we said, the last half of the album, there's there there are no complaints. You uh, you can, I can't pick find anything wrong with it. There's not filler on this record. No um, song on there that I really like. That I I'm curious your take on it. Me and Honey. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, do, I, I do too. I, I think that song's great. I do too. So they don't tour and they go back into the studio to record Automatic for the People. And when they went in, they had the intent that this was going to be a heavier rock album. Uh, it was going to be a more return to form, I guess, of green and document. But uh, as we know, it did not turn out that way. Um, the album title refers to a slogan of an eatery in Athens, Georgia. And uh, I think the sign, the symbol or whatever is on the front cover is from a hotel, I think, outside of Miami. But anyway, yeah, I guess there's just a little information on that, too. Let me cut you off. It's Weaver D's Delicious Fine Foods, Soul Food <laughs> Restaurant in Athens. And underneath it, they had the slogan, Automatic for the People. And they actually, one little side note, they he, he helped sold little individual bags of peanuts that had Automatic for the People. And so as a little marketing thing, when they were, were sending this album out across the, the really the world, I guess, promoting it to different radio stations as a promotional item, item along with the record, they used Weaver D's delicious fine foods peanuts. Those little bags that had automatic for the people printed on it. That's really cool. That's something that would never happen today. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to cut you off. Go no, ahead. no. Anyway, um, Stipe has said that the album mainly deals with the themes of being lost and turning thirty, um, and they decided not to tour for this uh, album as well, which is really odd. It went on to sell eighteen million albums worldwide, which is about the same as Out of Time, and um, I just have a few random notes here that uh, Peter Buck and Mike Mills think this is the best album they've recorded. Uh, now, I thought this was odd. Drive was the highest charting domestic single, and it only hit number 28. And that seems odd to me since Drive and Everybody Hurts were so big on MTV at the time. I thought, yeah. that, I thought that was odd. Um, I would have thought Everybody Hurts. Right. Uh, one more random note, uh, as you know, this album is mainly acoustic and has a lot of, uh, string, string arrangements on it. Many of the string arrangements were done by John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin fame. Did not know that one. So I'll give my thoughts on it first. Um, this is one of my favorite albums that they've done. Um, I believe it's, uh, it's just, it's different. It's an album that I love to put on, uh, maybe late at night 
trying to wind down, go to sleep, uh, or relax, you know, very relaxing. Uh, I have the standout songs on here are Drive, Night Swimming, uh, The Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, Trying Not to Breathe, uh, Ignore Land, love those. Find the River is good. Um, Man on the Moon was the was a big hit as well. I, I, uh, a lot of times I, 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 I forget that that song was actually... Um, on this album, and I just tied into the uh, movie uh, of the uh-huh. same name. But uh, the Sidewinder Sleeps Tonight, I think, was put in kind of as a, a joke, so to speak, uh, to lighten the mood of the album because it is a dark album. This is not uh, this is not a happy album that you uh, want to put in when you want to feel happy. It's not a not get everybody out on the dance floor type album. Uh, but I have it very highly rated. Chris, what about you? Well, I agree with everything you said, and and the the thing that I find odd is you know like you, I find it's not a happy album. I even mentioned that last week. And the album is, you know, the subject matter is mortality and death. And Stipe says, despite that, he finds the album very uplifting. You know, he said, but people just aren't really used to the, rock fans weren't really used to the dark subject matter that they took on. But, you know, the the songs on here, there's some, really really good ones i mean to me night swimming and find the river are about as good as anything they've ever done i think those songs are absolutely incredible um like you drive try not to breathe everybody hurts you know it may be huge but i don't even look at it it's kind of like one of those ones like to me like uh it's it's almost like it's the ballad version of end of the world i don't really get tired of it you know it's just it never does do that for it never does that to me man on the moon was a great song all the singles were good um yeah i mean it, it, i'm gonna i'm gonna go just the same with i did with without of time here's the thing about i, I put these albums and we'll, we'll do a, a warner brothers rankings and we'll do just the catalog rankings at the end of this the, their entire catalog and to me out of time and it's weird not to give away my, my list but like i had last week i had murmur and reckoning Flip a coin, depending on which day. Well, these two, this album and Out of Time end up side by side, just like those. And again, flip a coin because it just depends on the day. I think they're both. I mean, what a what a great little, you know, two albums in a row. Great little. I mean, that was it was really phenomenal to put out those two records like that. And and really, and there's not a whole lot of time in between them too. Right. That would have been a great and, double album. Yeah, and then, um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's just there's there's not there's not much I can say bad about either one of these albums. I, I just I love them both. Um, little YouTube note here, um, if you can find it on YouTube, I think it was at the MTV Awards. They play Drive, but they play an electric version of it. Um, there's really there's really cool to uh, to see. I actually really enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that version's out there. I mean, I think that's what they normally would play live was that version. And um, a little speaking of everybody hurts, that's a song that I have found. I mean, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. But I have found that's a song that live it sounds a whole lot better than it does on um, on tape. By, by the way, the the music is um, of course it's only three chords. You know the main you know the main guitar part of that, but that that is a uh, that is a songwriting credit that goes to Bill Berry. You know, so it's kind of funny. Last week, remember we talked about your both. Um, what was it? Uh, I know Perfect Circle, and you named another ballad, and oh, I cannot um, remember. Think talk about the passion. I, to, I want to say it was something else, more okay. of a slowed down ballad. But, but regardless, but my point being, I made the comment last week saying, "Wow, it's like Bill Berry's just you know, wow, two of the great ballads." Well, man, here he is again. You know, I mean, he he seemed to be their ace in the hole when it with the ballads. And they and they pretty much re-record "Everybody Hurts" on the next album. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, Chris, automatic for the people. We both are uh, big fans of it. Uh, they go back into the studio, and um, this time they put out an album called "Monster," which debuted at number one. They actually wrote forty-five songs for the album, and um, it was a tough it was tough sledding for them recording the album. I just have here that they had uh, numerous band illnesses. I think Stipe or Mills had to have sur- that was on the tour, but uh, su- surgery and then you know during the tour, Bill Berry had the aneurysm and um, 
they were all of the tour. Stipe had a her- had hernia repair. Yeah, Bill Berry had the aneurysm, and then um, and then uh, I can't remember what it was that uh, Mills had something. But they they all. I mean, Bill Berry was the only one that didn't go to the hospital on that tour. <laughs> right. So I mean, not Bill Berry, uh, um, Peter Buck. Peter sorry. Buck. Peter Buck. Yeah. So anyway, this album, as everybody knows, is a heavy album. It's just a it's a rock album. There's no other way to to describe it. And I, I did think it was interesting. Stipe said that all of these songs are told from the perspective of a character. Um, and uh, much of the album deals with, you know, uh, being a celebrity. Uh, Chris, this is an album I don't... I either like the songs on it or I don't like them. I, fi- I find that there's very little middle ground uh, on this album for me. Uh, Buck pretty much used the same guitar tone on every song. And I feel like this album was highly influenced by the grunge sound. I couldn't uh, agree more, and I was going to make that comment. Uh, of the time. I'll just put here uh, the standout songs for me are What's the Frequency, Kenneth, Crush with Eyeliner, Strange Currencies, and Let Me In. Let Me In is one of my favorite ballads that they've ever done. And for anybody that doesn't know, it's basically Michael Stipe talking to Kurt Cobain, uh, trying to uh, you know help him through his depression and drug issues. But the point I was going to make about Strange, strange uh, Currencies they almost didn't put it out because basically the the instrumentation is the same of everybody hurts and um the melody that that um stipe was singing they just thought was too good not to put on an album so uh they toured i saw them on this tour so i actually saw them in memphis at the pyramid on this tour um the songs that are good on it are good the song the other songs aren't uh i have it pretty low in my ranking um Obviously, what's the frequency? Kenneth was the huge um, was the huge song there. Of course, uh, it's, uh, it's well the the title is taken from uh, a guy that attacked Dan Rather on the street, famously sometime in the eighties, and was just like Kenneth. What's the frequency? So uh, anyway, uh, Chris, my thoughts on the album. What are yours? You know, I mean, I have a, I share a lot of the same opinions. It was um, you know they they sought out to make a rock record. You know, it was they weren't. They weren't hiding it. You know, Mill said we were aiming for a loud sound. Um, you know, uh, which by, uh, just just random. This really, I just thought this was one of the, one of the great Michael Stipe quotes. You know, he can have some of those funny quotes sometimes. He said a lot of records are made from the heart. This one's from the crotch. <laughs> um, I thought I thought it was great. Yeah, t- saw him yeah, hit the road for the first time in five years. Yeah, you mentioned the Kurt Cobain thing. That was really kind of how that got started. The friendship is. Uh, he, uh, he found out, you know, uh, Michael Stipe found out that Cobain was a, you know, he saw him on MTV and found out that he was a big fan and it just, it meant a lot to him, you know, that somebody, I guess, so big and so relevant at that time and somebody he respected musically was just, was such a fan. And, uh, Courtney Love said that, you know, Michael Stipe started calling him and they, they formed a friendship where they talk about, you know, rock and movies and, and she said it was really nice because Kurt just didn't have a lot of friends and, um, you know that that uh, so you're right. I think that did. There was an influence on that one. Uh, Mike Mills even, you know, as far as that song, let me in. Big influence on it. Mike Mills said that when Cobain died, said they even closed shop for a few days. You know, because they were all just bombed. Right. But um, but yeah, this uh, this album, you know, it has some. I agree, it's got some weak moments, but it's got some real. It's got some real gems. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Let me in is just incredible. It, it just sounds so so dark. But it's such a good song. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Man, talk about another one that doesn't get old to me. I can crank that one, and it, it just it never loses the that same allure that it has for me. Uh, but you know, there's some other good ones on there. I, I always liked um, was it King of Comedy, Strange Currencies. You mentioned that one. I took your name. I think is a great song. So it's, you know, it's probably about half and half for me. Um, I respect what they did, you know, after coming out and doing two largely acoustic records, you know, kind of folk-based. I respect that they just, you know, they turned Amps 10 and just made their, the biggest rock record of their career. So though it may not rank that high on my list, I respect what they did on it. And I, I can't knock them for it. Well, while they were on tour at various sites and uh, soundcheck, they pretty much recorded the bulk of their next album, which came out in 1996, New Adventures in High Five. 
And I do have a quote here from Mike Mills. This is his favorite album behind Murmur and Automatic for the People. And uh, you can tell they were back on the road uh, because a lot of the songs uh, deal with being away from home and traveling and uh, some of the p pains that go along with that. Um, Chris, ever since uh, you and I have uh, ever talked about R.E.M., this is an album that you and I both uh, really like and hold in high regard, and we both think it does not get the attention from the fan base that it probably should. And we're, yeah, you, real, real quick, you ready for this? Yeah. Cue, the, cue, cue your wife in. Okay. Criminally underrated. Criminally underrated. Uh, hey, if we ever do, if we ever have another podcast with a different <laughs> name, that's supposed to be called. Um, I, I don't, you know, I don't understand why this album isn't held in, in high regard along with a lot of their other ones, uh, as high as a lot of the other ones. The problem... I think it is by the fans. Some fans. <laughs> you know who out there uh, just well, won't even yeah, listen yeah. to... Anyway, Shannon, sorry about that. Yeah, um, but he doesn't He doesn't attempt it. It's not what... I think he would like it to be tried. Right. Um, I think they, that what they took what was wrong with, um, in my opinion, what was wrong with Monster and made it right on this one. And it's it for the most part is a rock record that uh, that I do not get tired of listening to. I listen to it a lot. It has numerous um, standout songs on it, and to me, it has uh, one song that um, I think is one of their best ones, and that's "Bittersweet Me." Um, I love the chorus to that song, but this song is just this album. It's just a good rock record. Um, the only song on it to me that feels the last two feel um, out of uh, kind of out of sync with the rest of the album, but that's not necessarily bad because one of them is Electrolyte, which I have as five stars. Um, I'd have a note on here that Electrolyte would probably fit better on Out of Time or Automatic, but I have that it works here. Um, and I have that Stite was initially hesitant to put that on the album, but it's one of his favorite songs to sing now. And uh, this would be the last album they would record with uh, Bill Berry. And they, they toured with this, and they just have some great rock songs on it. Wake Up Bomb is a great one. Uh, Departure is a great rock song. Be Mine. It's just, most of the album is really, really good. And uh, it, this is the one you and I both have said. We're both interested to see where this one winds up in, in each other's rankings. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, like you said, largely recorded at uh, sound checks on the Monster Tour. You know, they then they just took a they took a few months to go back in the studio and polish it up. You know, Stipe has said he's very proud of this record. You know, it like you said, it did not do that well, and I think they talked about before it's it just felt like the album was overshadowed by by the um, new contract they had with Warner Brothers because they you know they weren't through. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a a professional professional athlete. You know, they, they didn't play through the contract. You know, they renegotiated. And for this album, they uh, they renegotiated a deal for $80 million, which was the largest recording contract ever. And I said they felt it was that kind of got overshadowed by that. But, you know, this album is just, you know, I don't know. You know, when you think about why it didn't do well, I don't know. You know, I, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. I'm kind of giving it thoughts right now as we do this, which I guess makes it kind of interesting. Um, part part of it may have been the music scene at the time. You know, what we were... I mean, the I don't really remember what the, the most popular stuff was at that time, you know, 96, 97. But they were, at that point, maybe they were a little bit of, you know, the old band, you know, they, cause they kind of were really, you know, they weren't the new young energy, but this song, this album, I mean, it, there's, there's so many songs on it that I just really love. You know, you mentioned electrolyte and how good it is. I, I love that one. I love just the very first song. I think it's a very cool opening track, how the West was won and where it got us. Um, wake up bomb. Yeah. That song just rocks new test, new test lever. I've always loved that. Ebo, the letter, you know, maybe that kind of ties into Ebo, why maybe this album didn't do as well. Like the, the main single, the lead single, was kind of unconventional. And that song to me is just incredible. I mean, I love that song so, so much. But maybe it just wasn't 
right for a song like that. Maybe the time wasn't right for it, but maybe there was never a time for it because it is different. But Leave is one of my favorites. I think Be Mine is one of the best ballads they ever did. I mean, it's just such a lot of their ballads aren't as obvious like Losing My Religion. Be Mine is so obvious and it's just such a sweet little love song. But yeah, this album is without question the most underrated of their career. And there's a lot of people that, I mean, if they're listening to it right now and they, they know R.E.M., they may not know it. And if there's one record of their whole catalog that I'd say you forgot that you should listen to, this is the one. Um, you know, it's 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 kind of like what we've talked about out of time and automatic for the people. I don't I don't have bad things to say about it. I, don't, I can't find them. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up Ebo the Letters being the uh, you know the lead single. If I if I if I were running the, the record label, Wake Up Bomb would be my lead single. Um, I love that song. I think if you if if I were picking a set list for them in concert, I'd open the show with What's the Frequency, Kenneth, and Wake Up Bomb would be my second song. Um, love that song. And uh, Leave, that's another great song. It has a very unique opening to it um, that, that really stands out. Um, Chris, you and I both really like it. And uh, we're about to get to the, uh, the bad times. We've been through the good times here. The bad times are coming up. Um, Bill Berry amicably left the band and um, they record their first album really as a three-piece uh, band and it's called Up and um, I just have a few notes here and we're, we've, we're not going to spend a lot of time on a couple of these um, they use session drummers and drum machines um, I have here the two songs that I, that I would listen to again are excuse me are Lotus and At My Most Beautiful but uh, it's more of an electronic album, which was uh, popular at the time. And uh, Chris, I, I don't have anything else to say about Up. Well, I got a few things. First of all, I just want to say that we talk about Bill Berry's last. I always love to say this about it, about Bill Berry. He, um, yeah, he decided he wasn't going to be with the band anymore, or he wasn't going to play. He said he just he didn't have he didn't have the enthusiasm anymore, and. You know, Mike Mills has said he thinks a lot of it was just the the business side of it is what really he hated, and the business side started affecting what he loved, which was playing. And he, when he when he told them he was quitting the band, he did say, he said, if um, if my leaving breaks up the band, then I'm not going to leave. And he said he said supposedly that was the first thing he that Bill Barry said when he told him that he was that he wanted to leave. He said, if, you know, if my leaving breaks it up, I'm not leaving. And he said that, you know, in hindsight, he looks back at it. And he said, he meant that he said he would have just gone, you know, tried to go through therapy, something, but he said, he, he there's no way he was going to break up the band, but he was, um, you know, their friends, they were always friends. And, you know, Bill Barry said they were his three best friends. And he said, you know, I just became a fan I was no longer in the band. He said, now I just became their number one fan. You know, the album up, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to surprise you a little bit for a minute because I've always been just right there with you and kind of bash this album. And I spent a little bit more time with it this week and don't get me wrong. I'm not supposed to, I'm not about to just tell you to, you know, Hey, this album's underrated. Go buy it. It's great. But I think I've been a little bit too hard on it. And I think part of the reason is, is it's, it's, um, it's guys that were growing up and it's more just mature, mature adult rock. And I guess I just wasn't ever ready for that with REM, you know, um, some of the songs on it, and it looks that there's a lot of songs I don't like on it, but at my most beautiful is just, well, it's, I'll use a word that's in the title. It's beautiful. I love that song. Uh, and, um, I kind of felt like this album and that, that song, there's nothing more, a better, there's no better example than what I'm than that song. What I'm about to say, to me, it almost felt like this album, and really even the next couple albums, they were almost in a in a Brian Wilson phase, and they were like trying to. I was almost almost feels like they were looking for their pet sounds, and because uh, they got experimental, and you know they got away from what they normally would do. But yeah, that was beautiful. There's a song on it that I, I think is really really good called "Why Not Smile." I like "Day Sleeper." I like "Hope." I think "Sad Professor" is a really good song. I mean, it's five songs on there that I would say I, I, I really enjoy. 
Um, but yeah, the I guess what's bad on it outweighs the good. You know, it's um again, that's all I'll say is when I started listening to it this week, I thought, you know, maybe and maybe it's maybe it's me getting older in my age. I mean, maybe that's what it is that I can accept it for more what it is now. Still not a record I'm just going to put on just any time, but not as bad as I initially thought. Well, I still think it's bad. <laughs> um, but, hey, uh, I do know that it helped to contribute some to the writing of uh, the Radiohead album Kid A. Uh, Radiohead toured with um, R.E.M., uh, I think on the the monster tour and maybe uh on new adventures and um they you know the the electronic sound um stipe had long conversations with tom york of uh, radiohead and anyway some of this actually contributed to some of the sounds and some of the lyrics that you actually hear on um kid a so i thought that was an interesting uh, tidbit the next album i'm just saying i no longer i no longer think it's terrible I just don't anymore. You know, I'm going to give it a little bit more credit than I than I have in the past. You know, again, it's not okay. Here's what I'll say: it's, for an art, it's, it's not a good REM record. If if John Mayer wrote this rec, put out this record, it'd be the best thing he ever did. <laughs> you know. Uh, hopefully, there's not any John Mayer fans listening. But if you are, I'll... if you are, you're listening to the wrong show. Find right. a new one, right? Because he's not going to be talked about positively here <laughs> ever. Other than I'll say he can play the guitar well. Uh, and don't ask Chris Robinson about his playing in a, the current formulation of the Grateful Dead. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the next album that they put out was Reveal. Uh, just a few notes here. Several songs, uh, ironically, Chris, were inspired by the Beach Boys. Album was well-received in Europe, poorly received in America. Uh, album's very heavy on keyboards. Um, only song on here I really like is uh, Imitation of Life, which I think is a great song. One of their better ones, but... Uh, uh, in my opinion, it doesn't do a, do a whole lot to pull this al- album up. No, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell the one thing I can really do about this this album is uh, a story I've told on this podcast before. So, you know, I, if you're a listener, I mean, if you've if you've heard all of ours, then all of our podcasts, then that's awesome. Thank you, but you probably haven't. So. I do just want to say what this. I'm going to tell. I may you may have heard this story before. I remember when this album came out. If I'm not mistaken, this album was released on the same day that uh, Tools Laterless came out. I bought both of them. I was so excited to buy this one because I heard Imitation of Life, and I just remember thinking, "Man, they're back!" Because it sounded like not just again. I love New Adventures and Hi-Fi, but it didn't just sound like oh they put out a good record. It sounded like man, this is this is their old sound. And I was so excited. And then you hit play, and it's just like, oh. Uh, you know, and that's really how I felt about it. Um, I, I and, and I think that song is not just good for the album. I think it's an incredible song. I mean, it's, I'm like you, I think it's, I think it's as, you know, Probably one, maybe even one of their better songs, definitely of their later years. And the only thing I really can say about it, other than that, is um, I think it's "I've Been High." I like that song. Other than that, I just I wish I could find good things to say. I can't. Well, then, moving right along, the next album was actually a compilation album that came out called "In Time: The Best of REM," and it covered the Warner Brothers output. So that would have been Green through Reveal. And the main reason I even bring it up is it has uh, it has two songs on it that uh, of note. Uh, it contains a song called "Bad Day" that I really love. Which uh, this out al- the, the song "Bad Day" was actually recorded or demoed during the uh, Life Switch pageant sessions, and they uh, re-recorded it and reworked it, and that was actually a pretty big hit for them. And then also it had "The Great Beyond," which was from the Man on the Moon soundtrack, the Jim Carrey movie about Andy Kaufman, and. Uh, that is a another very good song. So the reason I bring it up is uh, is those two songs. Chris, are you are you fan uh, a fan of those two? Yeah, I am. Before we go, and let me step. I want to say one more reveal. I messed up. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of it. It's I said the wrong song. It's not. I've been high. I actually don't like that song. It's track number eleven. I'll take the rain. That's a really good song. I would I would actually encourage you to listen to that one again. I think you may like that one. 
you just probably forget about it because of all the stuff that surrounds imitation of life and I'll take the rain. <laughs> um, yeah, this best of, you know, the this, you know, it's called End Time, what, 88 to 2003. You know, most of the Warner Brothers years. And I agree with you. You know, Bad Day, I think, is, matter of fact, when I was running today, it came on, you know, on my shuffle. And I, I really love that song. And, and like you, I'll, I always love The Great Beyond. Both of those songs are just really 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 good yeah so that was uh their uh the compilation for at that point for the warner brothers years so they go into the studio and record what many people think is their clunker the all their, their all-time clunker and that's around the sun and uh, uh peter buck says that he hates the album it was their first album to not have a single chart in the top 100 um the only song on this album that i like is leaving new york which um I really enjoy, and I really enjoy the live version that's on the album REM Live. Other than that, Chris, I don't have anything to say about Around the Sun. Yeah, this is this. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm been I'm going to go ahead and just going to, yeah, not not that it's that big of a spoiler alert, but I disagree with people with this being the worst. I mean, I, I think Reveal is hands down, and it's not even close. The worst. This one actually. I do like some of the songs on it. I don't think it's a great album. It to me, it may be, you know. I mean, it's. I'm like you. Leaving New York is a really good song. I like uh, the Outsiders. I, I'm not particularly fan of the Q-Tip rap on it. They could have left that off. But there's some other ones. The, the worst joke ever. I mean, Around the Sun, the song. There, there's some. I think decent tracks on it. It's not great. It's still like like up. It's adult rock, and um, I think this one. Though again, not a favorite record. It's maybe a little bit. I don't. I don't want to say it's unfairly criticized because it's not really not that great. But it's just the fact that it's so hands down the last album. Uh, I just don't see how people put Reveal ahead of. I mean, as a better album than this, I just don't get it. Well, they uh, uh, they they toured and, and recorded a live album uh, on the tour called REM Live. Um, which um, I think it's pretty good. Chris, do you, do you own it? Let's say it again. Which was it? Do you own the live album that came from this tour? Uh, no, I do not. That's not the, the only the only live one I have is I have the uh, I have that one we talked about last week, the one they did in uh, live, in Ireland, live at the Olympia. And then I have the um, the one that's like the I guess the double disc of all acoustic material throughout the years. Right. Right, the unplugged. So no, I don't, I don't have I don't have that one. It's actually it's actually pretty good. It has a it has a decent mix of uh, Warner Brothers uh, music. There's a couple of songs from the IRS years on there, but not a lot. Uh, the next album they record was is Accelerate, and I think it came out in either 2000, 2007 or two thousand eight, and it was easily the most aggressive album they've ever recorded. Uh, it is a lot of it. It deals with uh, the presidency of George Bush, the war in Iraq, and the uh, and Hurricane Katrina, but um, I find the album very easy to listen to. Um, they the tour that they went on with this album was their last um, last tour they would ever do. But Supernatural, Super Serious was the uh, lead single. It was pretty popular. Uh, Man sized wreath, Living Well is the best revenge. Hollow Man, Until the Day is Done, and a Horse to Water are standout tracks for me. Uh, there are several songs on here that are filler. But uh, it was really interesting for a band at the end of their career. They had put out three albums that, you know, could easily be classified as dad rock, and uh, they they crank it up to ten on this one, and, and for the most part, don't take their uh, foot off the pedal for the whole album. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely considered the you know the comeback album, you know, short lived comeback because there was only one more to follow. But they, I'm happy they ended their career with um, a couple of redeeming albums. Um, yeah, this was the comeback. Living Well is the best revenge. Great opening track. I really like the single. Supernatural, su- Supernatural, Super Serious. Hollow Man is probably my favorite one on here. The song Accelerate is really good. It's a good album. You know, it was, it was a good, it was a good comeback. It was, uh, it was nice to hear. It was, it was surprising. I remember when, when Supernatural Super Series came out, I, I didn't get my hopes up because I didn't want Reveal Part Two, you know, to get <laughs> let down again. But they didn't let me down. You know, it's it's not perfect. It's not one of their best records, 
but for after what we had been through as fans, it was uh, it was nice to hear. Do you agree with me on this uh, with Monster and uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi and on this one? When they tend to write an album that's more, uh, you know, distorted guitar oriented, that Buck seems to use the same tone throughout most of the album. Um, I do on Monster. I don't know about the. I don't know if, if I would completely agree on the other two. Monster for sure. I mean, and it is. And I like like you said. I thought you got you know you were dead on. I mean, it was. I think it was the times. You know, the grunge. It kind of had that grunge type sound. Very, very heavy feedback. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the, the, these, those two, the other two are a little bit more diverse than Monster. Well, you and I were lucky enough to see them on this tour uh, in pretty much their own backyard in Atlanta. Uh, one of the more fun concerts I've been to, and they uh, on that tour they um, they broke out some of the oldies. I know at the show that we went to, they played. Uh, Harbor Coat, which was, you know, very up until that point, you hardly ever heard. Uh, good time at that show. The They go into the studio and record their final album, uh, Collapse Into Now. And uh, on our uh, final albums episode, you and I both uh, picked this as one, as one of the better uh, final albums that we, uh, that we liked. It was recorded in several cities. A lot of it was recorded, recorded in Berlin. Um, and uh, that's kind of where you get the title Uberlin for track number three. I thought this album was a step up from Accelerate. Um, I have several five-star songs on here. Uh, it Happened Today, uh, Mine Smell Like Honey. I have his all um, five-star uh, songs. And um, there are very few clunkers on this one. And uh, an album I still listen to a lot. My wife absolutely loves uh, Oh My Heart and Walk It Back. And um, the University of Georgia, I believe, used Oh My Heart for one of their um, their um, commercials that airs during like University of Georgia football games, which I thought was cool. But uh, let's see, mine, I think it's Mind Smell Like Honey has um, Eddie Vedder and Natalie Maines. Um, no, no, it happened today. I'm sorry. It happened today. Has Eddie Vedder and Natalie Maines uh, singing backup at the very end of it, which I thought was cool. Um I don't have a whole lot else to say because we covered this in our final album yeah. episode, but this is just a great album. I agree. And yeah, my favorite one is it happened today. That's my favorite song on here. Um, Ubalin's really good. Oh, my heart's good. Mine smell like honey. You know, it's, um, I think the, the single discover is a pretty cool song. Um, in some ways discover, I think almost would fit a little bit better on collapse into now. I mean, not collapse into, um, Accelerate. Accelerate. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, it was it was the final one. And as we I've said before, I, I know it was not intentional because I don't know. If they, I don't think they really thought it was the end. But when uh, the cover, Michael Stipe, it looks like he's saying goodbye on it. And um, I think it was a it was a really good way to go out. And, you know, I don't I don't foresee another album. But I hope these guys will do the You know, the the reunion tour that someday, you know, someday and, you know, maybe, maybe in another five to 10 years, hopefully they'll do that. You know, maybe hit a, uh, a milestone anniversary of maybe the release of murmur or something like that. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. I, I hope it's not the end of them. Yeah. You, you it, said it before. I think it's, they're one of the greatest American rock bands. Oh yeah. The, I mean, I was thinking about that today. Uh, I mean, I, them and Aerosmith, I, I would say, are the, the, in my opinion, the, the two great um, American rock bands, that, that at least from you know that twenty-year time frame. Um, Chris, before we get to our rankings of the albums, are there any co other compilation albums or uh, B-sides albums or anything you'd like to talk about? Well, the the live one, and I can't think of the name of it. I don't have it laid out in front of me. The one I told you about with the. Um... I think it's called Live Unplugged or something like that. It's really, really good. It's it's um, it's not one show. It's not pieced together from one tour like a lot of live albums are. It's basically career-spanning acoustic performances, and I, I would I would recommend picking that one up. They they did something too called uh, REM in the Attic. It's uh, this was released. Back in 98, it actually says limited edition on it. I was telling you about it, and I tried looking it up just to see you know, if they have it on 
you know, on, on uh, Apple Music, and they don't even have it on there. So I don't know how hard this is to find. But yeah, again, I, it's I called could, REM in the Attic. Yeah, I couldn't find it. Well, it's it's got some cool stuff on. It. It's got a lot of it's got a lot of different you know takes on it. It's got um, it's got a live performance of Driver Eight. It's got Swan Swan Eight. Just a live performance they did from from you know early in the career. It's uh, so I remember them playing it. It's almost like they're in some kind of abandoned house playing it. It's got some other really cool live songs. They've got um, the the coolest probably that they have is the thing that I like on it is they do um, they do Dream. The uh, is that the Everly Brothers? I think it's the Everly Brothers. Dream, I don't know if it's Dream. All I have to do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They do that, which I think is really good. Um, the one I love, acoustic, which is a very. It sounds very cool. And then they do a live medley, which is uh, Time After Time, Red Rain, Peter Gabriel, Red Rain, and then South Central Rain. Just a live medley. That, that's really cool on it. So, you know, again, maybe hard for you to find. But if you if you run across it, it's worth checking out. Well, Chris, I'll let you go first this time. I went first last time. Uh, we're going to rank our Warner Brothers albums first. Go ahead. All right. No surprise. Number 10, Reveal. Number 9, Around the Sun. Number 8, Up. Number 7, Accelerate. Number 6, Monster. Number 5, Collapse into Now. Number four, Green. Number three, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. And this comes to the, hey, 1A and 1B. Today, I'm going number two, Automatic for the People, number one out of time. <clears throat> Interesting. Um, I'm going to go number 10, Up. Number nine, Around. Number eight, Reveal. Number seven, Monster. Number six, Collapse. Number five, Accelerate. Number four, green. Number three, automatic. Number two, new adventures. And number one, out of time. Which means yeah, I mean, every time that you and I have had a ranking of albums, our number one has been the same. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a couple things on here that I would say are surprising. I um, And I'm not making jokes on here. I, I don't understand how... Cause I think the only album, this is just my opinion. That's all this, of course, that's all this podcast is, is opinion. But I reveal, I find two songs listenable. And I mean, it, it's really the only album that I think as a whole is just completely, really unlistenable. And I mean, look, you, I mean, actually, if you look at rankings, if people do rankings of REM albums, Up is usually a lot higher than you would think. Right. But, you know, but I mean, we both had Around the Sun, number nine, which shows we both don't like it a lot. Um, having Monster that you have it that low is it's not real surprising. You know, I, I mean, I've only got it one spot higher. Um, and then I'd say you have Accelerate pretty high. And other, I mean, we both have green as number four. We have automatic and hi-fi in the top three. So, you know, at least the top four are pretty close. I mean, they're, they're the same albums. Right. And the interesting thing that surprised me, if before we had d done this podcast and you just asked me what my favorite Warner Brothers album was, I would have told you automatic for the people. You know, well, here's the thing. And I think I know why. If you... um. I think the songs, the best songs on Automatic for the People, and this just this is my opinion anyway. But the best songs on Automatic for the People are better than the best songs on Out of Time. But Out of Time has more great songs. Right. That's just that. That's the way I feel about it. And, and don't get me wrong, the songs that are not the great ones on Automatic for the People are still really good. But I think Out of Time doesn't have a moment that really slows down. And, you know, when I think about, you know, when I think about, about Automatic for the People, you know, what, when does it slow down? Starmy Kitten, not a great tune. Um, yeah, and, I mean, that's really, that's probably the only one on here that I, I don't particularly like, but I don't really have a song that I dislike. 
Well, when you run out of time, when you when you did your Warner Brothers rankings, which uh, what what surprised you? Did anything stick out? Did you was higher or lower than you thought it would be? Um, maybe probably not. Uh, I would say that um, it no no really not because I was about to say maybe I was surprised that Reveal was dead last, but no, I've always hated that album. Like I said, it's the only one I hate and. Man, my God, am I trashing this album tonight? <laughs> you are. Um, but it's just, it's it's really bad. And I don't, it's the only one of their albums that I truly dislike. So, But no, I don't think any, you know, if I had to say one thing that, that surprised me, okay, yeah, I can probably find one. Collapse into Now being number five. I, I would have thought maybe it was lower. It's, it's a good album. I would have thought maybe number seven. But it made number five. You know, which is for a final album. You know, when you make, you know, that that's that's pretty good. Yeah. But anyway, well, I guess we're gonna go. Let's go and kick off this um, the albums in their hole. This is where it'll get interesting. That's our category. Okay. Um, you want to go first? I'm take that. You take this one. Okay. All right. I'm gonna go from the bottom up, up, around the sun, <laughs> reveal, monster. Fables of the Reconstruction, Collapse into Now, Accelerate, Green, Murmur, Automatic for the People, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, Out of Time, Document, Reckoning, and Pageant. All right, I'm going to make you go through this again real quick because I'm just kind of writing these down because I want to see how they compare. I've got Up, Around, Reveal, Monster, um, Fables, Fables. Collapse. Okay. Accelerate. Green. Murmur. Automatic. New adventures. So, oh, so hold on. Murmur. Then automatic. Okay. New adventures. Out of time. Document. Reckoning. And pageant. Okay. All right. Well, let, me, let me read mine. I'm going to kind of look at these and see what how this looks. <clears throat> I, um, we did pretty much the same thing we had our you know, at least for sure our bottom four remained reveal around the sun up accelerate monster collapse into now which i just noticed my bottom five are exactly the same um in fact exactly the same as the warner brothers i'm saying number nine green number eight document Number seven, Fables of the Reconstruction. Number six, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. Number five, Automatic for the People. Number four, Out of Time. Number three, Reckoning. Number two, Murmur. Number one, Lysrich Pageant. So, we're both really high on Pageant. <laughs> yeah, well, you got Pageant, you've got, I mean, I've got Reckoning at three, you have it at two. So, that's... Um, yeah. You've got document number three. I've got it at eight. Right. Yeah. Document and murmur are kind of where we flip flop. Yeah. And then you've got, let's see, out of time. We both have it at four. I've got automatic at five. You've got it at six. You've got high five at five. I've got it at six. That's pretty close. Um, Fables have it seven. And it looks like you've got it at 11. Yeah. Um, which is really kind of surprising on that one. I mean, not surprising, but I don't get it. Let's just say that. Not surprising. I'm not surprised that's where you put it. We both have green kind of around the middle of the pack, which sounds about right. Um, I don't think I really have any major surprises on yours other than Fables being that low and Document being that high. Yeah, I've said numerous times, Fables, I just you get past feeling gravity's pull and driver eight and i just nothing grabs me and i've listened you know tried to listen to it i own it uh try to listen to it um just never has something that has that has grabbed me for whatever reason you know sometimes you can't explain those things no i mean i get it I and mean, i just i mean i, I think there's i've told you i, I like uh green girl the rushes yeah so much you know life and how to live it um wendell g auctioneer it's uh yeah, I, I like that album. You know, it's it's uh, I mean, right at half halfway point, which is pretty good because it's beating Document, it's beating Green, 
on mine. And yeah, here's the thing: Fables ends up seven on mine, but my God, those six that are ahead of it. Right, right. Are you all know, good. I mean, so that so when you look at it that way, Fables finished pretty, pretty well on my list. Chris, it was it was it was fun doing this. You know, we've pretty much listened to REM, at least I have exclusively the last two weeks. Just some albums I was more familiar with than, than others, but I really enjoyed it. Um, we have plenty of other bands that uh, we're going to do this for uh, on down the line, but this is our first two-part series. I think it went quite well. Yeah, I think kind of our struggle is going to be when we do this. It's it's um, we like a lot of the we like a lot of the same bands, but then there's a lot of stuff that we're not, you know, like I'm, I really like punk music. I like some of the, you know, the sad bastard indie type rock and, you know, things like that. Whereas your, uh, the jam band type stuff like that, it's just not for me, you know, but, but we have a lot of similar type stuff, but it's a lot of them stuff we like. It's, this is one of the few bands I think where we find where we're both right there. You yeah. know, it's one of the great bands. And so we'll have to do a little work, put our heads together and find out where else we can go in this direction. You know, because I know there's others out there. We just have to think a little bit more. But, you know, one thing you and I have talked about doing is, you know, let's throw I, I, I think we both kind of enjoyed the trading the Black Crows and the and social distortion. Yeah, that was fun. And doing another trade off like that could be pretty cool. Um, yeah, we talked about, hey, possibly gaslight anthem or just brian fallon in general yeah, so we, we got some other ideas where maybe we can do some things like this yeah so if you're listening and you have a uh, a uh, an idea for something like that um shoot us a message on twitter or on facebook or um send us an email uh speaking of which you can find us on twitter at digital killed on Instagram at Digital Kill the Radio Star, you can subscribe via iTunes. If you could, please leave us a review and rate us; it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Chris is going to be uh, MIA next week, but uh, I've got a couple of things in the works. Um, one of which uh, is going to, I'm sure, going to work out, and uh, I'll be back with you this week, next week, and then Chris will be back the week after that. So, uh, Chris, I enjoyed it; had a good time. Um, like we said, one of the great rock and roll bands to come to come out of america and uh i hope uh people if they aren't fans of rem at least listen to it enjoyed it and maybe uh can become fans of the band well one final final thing uh, last week i said hey if you're if you're not that familiar with the early stuff you know buy eponymous you know it's a good it's a it's a good starting point i really like the uh i really like the track listing that they did on that for just I mean, I, I, yeah, mine would have probably been a little bit different, but overall, I thought it was pretty good. And the one that Warner Brothers put out, which you know, I believe just went all the way through, um, it went all the way through up, is uh, it's called In Time. You know, maybe go with uh, the best of REM, In Time, and Eponymous, and that's a good starting point. Yeah, if you don't like those two, you're not going. It's no sense in wasting your time or your money on anything else. Yeah. Well, everyone, we hope you have a uh, good week. Um, Try to stay cool, and uh, I will see you next week.